0: Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. This is the Indiana Bible College podcast. On today's episode, we have a Connect Chapel. Of course, Indiana Bible College Connect is our preview weekend here on campus and happened March 7, 8, and 9, 2019, with over 118 students from all over the world joining us here in Indianapolis to find out what Bible College is all about. These students attended classes, information sessions, socials, and then this chapel preached by our president, Reverend Paul Mooney. Here is Brother Mooney preaching How Do You Get to the Promised Land?
1: do all things. And with God, nothing is impossible. Not by yourself, but by the power of God, all things are possible. Let me say to all those that have come here visiting today, thank you very, very much. It's so nice to have you here and parents and all of you that have joined, and it's good to see the student body. Student body, one more time, let me hear you thank all these wonderful people that come by and spend a little time with us. And one of the first things I want to say, you may be seated, by the way, to all of our guests, we really do believe that Indiana Bible College has been the work of the Holy Spirit, and every step of the way, God has provided so much help, finances. This building was a miracle in itself. We had about 24 hours. Uh, don't hold me to all the little note things. Uh, it's, it's been a, a way back, so I'm thinking exactly the timing. But we had about three days, did we, or something. 30 years ago, this happened. Yes, I'll remind you of that. So we had to raise about $800,000 overnight, literally, and And end up in Chicago able to buy this building and the great people of Calvary Tabernacle really just by faith they stepped out and we got a ton of loans and people that helped us and even gifts and it made it possible just instantly almost and we thank God for that so there's been so many miracles so we believe in miracles you believe in miracles and then of course not only the wonderful faith of the Calvary Tabernacle folks but this wonderful staff and all of them. And I'd like for all the students to thank God one more time and these wonderful people giving their lives in so many different areas. God can do things that we uh, can scarcely imagine. And one of the things that has happened here at Indiana Bible College is just the anointing, I believe, of the Holy Spirit and good people that have given their lives and their times and their energy. And I try to say thanks as much as I can, but really I can never express it as much as I would really like to and say thank you, thank you for what you've accomplished. Well, we're in an, we're in an era. I, I, how many of you are under 40 years old out there? I kind of thought that was about right. How many are under 25? Let me see your hands. Okay, most of you. Anybody 16 years old here, would you please leave the building right now? You're a little too young. Your generation is interesting uh, for many reasons. And one of the reasons that you're so interesting is nobody knows exactly how it's going to work out for you. Probably there's never been a generation of young people who are mystified not in some sp- spiritual way but the people that study culture and society and the future and how the world's going to shape out politics and all of that even entertainment how how production is going to uh, evolve in the next uh, in the next few years how people are going to make livings and all it's just like it's a com- you're going into a world in which there are no for-sures about well, what kind of education should you have, what, what should you do. And uh, You say, well, uh, I'm, I'm going to be a house builder. Uh, but it is possible for computers to actually build houses from scratch. And they push buttons and you can actually literally watch a house being built Within a matter of hours. So, a carpenter doesn't appear to me to be a very good profession. It's in fact, what is a good profession? And what will the future look like? Well, we have, we have technology. You know, the problem is you don't control it. In fact, it's literally controlling you and me. And most of you that love your devices, you hardly know how to turn them on. Well, maybe you know how to turn them on. It's The problem is turning them off. And you certainly, with a few exceptions of very, very bright people probably here in this audience, but... You certainly, most of us, do not really know how they work and how to fix them. And, but we do know one thing, that the big corporations control them and you do not control them. And not only that, we're seeing more and more evidence that through technology, the world and some very, maybe in some cases, good people, but then there are lots of bad people that are controlling the very future through technology. They're, they're finding out who you are. They're evading your privacy. They're, they're working. When I say you, I don't just mean you as an individual, but your generation and all of us. So we're just scratching our heads. How is this going to turn out? How are, What's church going to look like 20 years from now? What's education going to look like? Now, we feel pretty comfortable that the next three or four years, if you join us here at IBC, we'll probably be still having school. We don't know how fast the culture is going to move, but there's no real for sure, so we just kind of, we're kind of like walking into a wilderness of sorts. But we are not the first people going into a wilderness. This is not the first time that God's people have been up against tremendous challenges. And obviously, you know, I'm referencing that moment when God decided that he was going to lift his people out of Egypt and send them to what they identified as the promised land. But how do you get to the promised land? Does anybody really know how you get to the promised land? And they had a leader. What was his name? Moses? He didn't know how to get to the promised land. So I'm not here to tell you how to get into the future, but I am going to try to emphasize one more time for all of us that we've got a God and this God knows the way and he knows exactly what the future is going to be like and he can prepare us. I believe God's calling many people right here in this place and Some of you are saying, well, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do or what I feel. Have you ever just felt a calling of God, and yet you couldn't really identify it? You couldn't really get it down? One of the things we must not have in your generation, and I want to speak to you a little bit. uh, I think it's very important that fathers and mothers and and, uh, preachers and pastors at least need to give it a go, because I don't think it's really fair for your generation not to have anybody at least trying to identify some of the problems. Every, every uh, major change, shall we say, in the history of humanity has always called for a strategy. What are we going to do? How do we deal with this? How do we really uh, take on the world? And how do we make sure that we are secure and that we can build our families and that we can walk in righteousness? Churches have got lots of questions to answer young people, all of you that are working with uh, young people and you're already, some of you in this room have got a call in the ministry and many of our IBC students are already preaching and they're out trying to find the will of God, praying, trying to find the will of God. And hopefully that they and you and all of us and even these old people up there on the uh, platform that we can recognize a truism and that truism is... That we must have some kind of strategy, some kind of commitment within ourselves, within our hearts, within our intellects that we can say this is what we must do. And yet that is not an easy thing to do because the people that are building the future, they themselves with the technology and with the advanced, uh, let's say the advanced manufacturing, the the advance uh, of, of just Uh, transportation, and just, well, you got the picture. But they don't really know exactly how it's going to kind of turn out. So everybody's just kind of sitting around like the thinker. What are we going to do? Maybe we got rid of this Acts 238 stuff. We could kind of have a more modern religion. Yeah, that sounds good. Does it really? One songwriter, I don't know how it came about, but it was, he did a pretty good job when he wrote and sang, without him, I could do nothing. Now, that's a big line. Without him, I could do nothing. Have you ever thought that maybe God would like See, because you sing that song, you sing that song, I sing that song, but do I really believe that without Him I could do nothing? You might be able to have a good church without, uh, without, uh, without us having to have your brains at all. We can have good church without your talent, maybe. Without Him I could do nothing, without Him. I would but fail. Without him, I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. So Moses, back to Moses. Moses had to get them out of Egypt. He didn't know exactly how to do it. He didn't know how to feed them. They had to walk by faith. Nobody had an answer. Nobody had a solution. Nobody had it on paper. Nobody could even imagine how they were going to escape. Egypt? Are you kidding me? Have you ever seen Pharaoh's army? Do you realize how sophisticated they were? How much power they had, how much influence they had. And here's these people, these people slaves they were, you know. And how were they going to walk through the wilderness? They didn't even know how to get there. They didn't know. See, fear probably was their number one problem. If Moses did anything, he had to overcome the fear. And I I want to address you along these lines today. We have got to overcome the fear. Now, I had older brothers, I was a, a child that came along. My mother was quite aged when I was born, and uh, we had nine uh, eight children in our family, and I was the baby of the family, spoiled brat mostly and my brothers when they would come home, I didn't know them very well, they were soldiers, they had businesses long before I was born. I have nephews that are the same age that I am, and even uh, so it was just crazy and uh, my mother was so tired that she had already had seven or eight children, she was tired of kids and so She's basically locked me in my room and left me alone, and, and uh, that was about it. were <laughs> wore out. And so, but my brothers, my brothers harassed me terribly. And uh, it was all in good spirit, but it was, uh, uh, it was, especially when I was very, very young, about in the first or second grade, here was one of the things they scared me with. I was thinking about it yesterday. I don't know how it came back to my mind, but they told me, now, this wouldn't be real relative unless I explained it to you. Back in the day, the cars and trucks, and especially trucks that were not, uh, you know, were not really uh, really up to speed, they would backfire. You ever heard an automobile back? You know, automobiles don't backfire too much. But that was common, Brother Turner, back in the day. So if the engine was a little bit off and it would pow and if it was cold and you'd be going down. Well, my brother said, now when you go down the road and you're walking to school, I'm just a first grader, and we walked to school several blocks, by the way, which sounds really unusual for your generation. And so my brothers got it in my brain that if a car backfired, that I should lay down flat on the ground because there was waves that came out of the muffler. And if you didn't hide and get right down on the ground, my brothers, all my brothers are passed away. But if they were here, I'd like to just slap them right outside the head. Because I want to tell you, I was scared to death. And almost not every day, but almost every day walking to school, a, uh, one of those cars would backfire. And guess what old Paul would do? Fall on the ground stretch out my arms just like my brothers had told me to do and cover my head like this and pray that the the rays or whatever that was coming at me and I was scared to death. I really did believe that. It's hard to believe. And so I'm falling on the ground. And then I started trying to tell my other friends that they should be doing the same thing. And then I became the idiot in the group. And they felt sorry for me. It took me a long time before I figured out that this was not true. <laughs> it's funny now. And, and clear up to when I was adult and my, Of course, my brothers were all adults. And they would come home and all that good stuff. And they would say, hey, Paul, <laughs> how many times did you fall down on your way to school? I said two or three times almost every day. Some old truck or something would go off, and there I was. See, fear, fear is a terrible thing, not knowing exactly how we should interact and what we should do. How do we deal with this generation? How do we come at this? We don't need somebody to just give us uh, an empty-headed idea or somebody that just lies to us. We need a, a, a real resource of intellect and a resource, a spiritual resource. Your generation is going into a vast kind of revolutionary moment. And we all know already, we don't have to explain it, we have got these uh, technological elements that are playing a role in our lives and more than that are beginning to dominate our life. It will probably dominate. It's already dominated uh, how we communicate. It's beginning now to really make a mark into education. We don't really know if schools are going to survive, what's going to happen, and we're just scratching our head and how can we make this work. And think about your children as it gets more and more sophisticated. And books, not just a few books, hundreds and hundreds of volumes are being printed right now. Every day a new book comes out, a new professor, a new scientist, a new uh, sociologist that's trying to figure out how this is going to work. It's kind of Maybe like Moses, sitting on the side of the road, so to speak. Saying, how do we get out of here? Because we really don't have any solutions. And how am I going to feed these bunch of heathens? And along came a hand of deliverance. And God says, I'm going to put, what does the Bible say? I love this. Description of manna, a small, round thing. That's it. Just a small, round thing. And it's going to fall on the ground, and you're going to eat it. But don't try to put it in the refrigerator. Well, let's see, they didn't have refrigerator. Don't try to hold it over for the next day. Because I'm going to give it to you every day. Well, what is it? We don't know. Where does it come from? We don't know. Should we, what should we do? How How should we make sure that we get free delivery? Who do we call? Pizza Hut? Mana Hut? What's those people that deliver? No, what's the names of those people? No, They. they that's a big company. What is it? It seems like the students know, and they're trying to, but you don't know it all. The elder, he knew Uber. Uber. Yeah. You call an Uber. Uber. Who who wants to call an Uber for anything? I just, just the name Uber. I don't want my, I don't want my pizza delivered by Ubers. I wish I had somebody to help me preach here today. Say, we're going to call an Uber. What? I don't, no, I don't want no Uber messing with my phone. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. It took tremendous faith. It took something on the inside of those people's minds and hearts for them to try to make this escape, to get across the sea and get through the through the tremendous, tremendous uh, uh, wilderness and. Just have faith enough to say we can really make this, because there was no other way that they could escape. And what I want to say to you, as you face all the things that these revolutionary elements, these revolutionary elements that right are right, that's right in your face, right at your moment, and you can't say, don't give in to the idea that you can make it through this future just with your uh, your iPad. And with the technology, you don't control the technology for one thing. They can turn it off and you can't get it back on. It becomes your enemy because it profiles you and it plays ahead of you. So that when you go in and you think that you're going to get an interview and it's going to be a free interview, they've already interviewed you by the places that you've been. Am I telling the truth here? All the places that you've been, all the things that you've said, all the things that you have watched, they know through very careful scientific analysis who you are and probably how you think and what your uh, what your tendencies are. Maybe even what your sexual uh, ideas are about. Well, you should be quiet. And here we have... This group of people who call themselves apostolic, Pentecostals, born again. We have spoken, and who believes that people can actually speak in other tongues as the Spirit? What are you, crazy? And yet, here we are. And if somebody says, who are you and what do you believe? We would say, we believe in the Almighty God, and we believe there's one Lord, and there's one faith, and there's one baptism. And we know that if we yield ourselves to God, that we can receive the Spirit and anointing of God's power within our mind and within our life. And we become new creatures. Old things pass away. There's a powerment, an empowerment that takes place in our life through the touch of God. And God speaks to us. And people are saying, are you kidding? We understand religion, but this is religion one step too far. And yet there's something inside of us that just keeps yielding to God and keeps saying, I believe we can make it. And somehow... God's people in that Old Testament example followed Moses and walked by faith and God made a way supernaturally. By the way, you've got to fight the good fight of faith. Can I get a witness? The faith that God has given us, the anointing that God has given us. Do you realize many of you in this room have a calling of God in your life? And if you said that or tried to explain that to some people, they would laugh their heads off. Nobody gets a calling from God on their life. Well, that, that's not right. It is true that God is calling people. God is calling young people in your generation. I personally believe it's going to be one of the most anointed and most powerful times in the history of the world, your generation. Because the reason is that you don't have any choice but to trust in God. Because people that have been playing church for a long time are just about out of fun. And even Pentecostals that really have not, especially in the last maybe 20 or 30 years, haven't taken church so seriously, are going to have to start taking it seriously one more time. We're going to have to fix our our ambitions on the right things and we're going to have to line up with the truth and the doctrine and it's going to cost us something because some people will say well that's just ridiculous but somewhere there's going to be in pulpits there's somewhere there's going to be somebody that will stand up in a far off place somebody is going to walk to the pulpit and say i don't really know but i got a god that knows i don't have the power And I don't have enough power in my computer to do anything. But I've got a God that will go with us. And I've got a God that will show us the way. And I I can provide nothing. But God can provide. I wish I had a witness here. God can provide everything. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say not my will. But God's will be done. God's way has got to be revealed to us, and God did reveal it to us. Go back to Jerusalem. Terry, don't leave there till I get there, and I'm coming in a completely different way. I'm not physically going to be there, but just wait there. I'm coming there, and he did come, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as like a rushing mighty wind filled all the place where they were sitting, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with us. There is the manna, and there is the food, and there is the hope, and there is the direction, and there is the victory because God, by His Spirit, is going to overcome. But you will have to fight for this. You have to make up your mind if you're real or not. And you'll have to be careful not only of your friends and your comrades in your generation. But you'll have to be somewhat guarded against even some old dudes like me to make sure that they don't cause you to look the wrong way. Moses did it right. He said, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to feed. I I, kind of trust people that can say, I don't know. We We need to look this up. Even if you and I were traveling up in Alaska and you didn't know, it'd be good if you say, I don't know, but I'm going to call Brother Blackshear. And maybe he can tell me where I'm at and give me a long, what is it, a longitude and a, a latitude. Or maybe he could just fly out here and help me. That's the kind of man I want to be with. But I don't want you trying to get me across Alaska and you don't know where you're going. And you're in a wilderness And we're going to be dead frozen in a few hours if you don't figure out where we're going. Just like your generation. If somebody doesn't have a message, if somebody doesn't say, we got somebody that's going to help us. We got a savior that's going to come into this upper room. We've got a message that's going to turn the world upside down. we found a peace that surpasseth understanding. There's an anointing. God gives us wisdom. God gives us strength. God gives us help. God gives us a look into the future, not in the sense that you might say it, and whatever I have to do, whatever I have to do, whatever God requires of me, whatever God wants of me, I've got to get the job done, and I'm going to trust. I believe I can hear the Holy Ghost say, some trust in chariots, and some trust in what? Horses. But we... Uh, Can I get a witness? But we will remember the name of our God. Yes, it's a revolution. And yes, you are going into a future that will be controlled, I believe, by some very strange people. But we've got a God that will be with us and a God that will show us the way. So, to the mothers and fathers, you may be seated to the mothers and fathers that may be here. Don't be afraid of your children's call. Don't worry about it. God will provide. God will provide. Not only did my brothers harass me about the, uh, what do they call that? backfires? (laughs) It was funny. They also harassed me a little bit about trying to step out and walk with God. Even though they respected my parents, my brothers were not in that middle time in there when we were coming. But they were coming back from the war, coming back from Korea, coming back. Uh, One of my brothers was actually coming back to the end of World War II. They had a different outlook. But before the end of their lives. They came back. To the real knowledge. That without God. You can't really make it. But with God, you can make it. You got to fight for this, however. I took my mother down to see her sister, Aunt Vernie, we called her. And Vernie and my mother were close. And they grew up in the poor part of the south, Tennessee. So... Uh, Mom was quite ill, and, and uh, my aunt was really just kind of hanging on, so it was a good time for us to go, and we went. And they started telling old stories, which is wonderful. And they told an old story about they were, they were already young adults, and they saw this, they, and they were poor, they were trying to, they were cotton pickers, as we say, and they didn't have much money, And they were outside doing whatever, and they saw the snake, and the snake was going through the yard. And uh, they told the story, of course, and they were laughing about it and said, Bernie, when that old snake started going toward the hen house, we realized that we had to be careful because that old snake was going to go down there in the hen house. And they had some eggs. See, I know you don't understand this, eggs that you get at McDonald's come from chickens. <laughs> and they they lay them, and, and it is a horrible, horrible process. <laughs> and you have to go out and gather, back in the day, you had to go out and gather the eggs and all of that. So they began to kind of analyze, and they said, well, that old snake is going to go out to the hen house, and we got little ch- Little eggs out there, and and the old hens are setting on the eggs to hatch the eggs. So they ran out, and sure enough, the snake had crawled up in the desk uh, in the nest and uh, had swallowed whole. A snake is an amazing creature, and they swallowed whole snake, a uh, whole uh, eggs, and so they could see the eggs were all stuffed in this this uh, snake, and now the snake was trying to crawl down, and They knew that every one of those eggs represented a chicken. And so they started chasing the snake. Now, I wish I could could have filmed this because I'm sure that much of the uh, tremendous story was exaggerated to some degree. But they were having a wonderful, wonderful time telling the story. And they chased the snake and they chased the snake. And they started trying to get a stick and get the old snake, and they would say, well, we got to be careful. We can't hit the snake because we'd do what? Break the eggs. So they had to get the snake, and they finally got the snake, and they somehow put a stick around the snake, and they got the snake, and they put the eggs. They got the eggs out. They cut the snake open. It was hilarious. I wish I could have filmed it. People, and I could have put it on the Internet. Wonderful if you could just talk to your old uh, grandpa and grandpa and say, i got to go home now. i got something to do on the Internet. And he'd go, what? What is the Internet? And so there we were. And they took that. And here was the funny part. They took that snake. They killed it. They cut it open. And they washed those eggs. And they went back in that hen house. Of course, this is the way they described it. And I'm not sure how it actually happened. And they started talking to the chicken. And the chicken was uh, balking and trying not to get. But they finally got the eggs back under the old hen. I know you don't care. But they cared. Because it was their life. It was the only eggs they probably could afford. Maybe I'm exaggerating a bit, but that's the way they told the story. Ladies and gentlemen, you are the people that may have to fight the snake. You may be the generation that's going to say, we've got to get this word. Moses. You're the one that's got to get them out of Egypt. And to do that, you're going to have to trust in this little small thing. And what the Bible says? And there's no explanation of how you're going to do this. It's not some kind of intellectual, uh, intellectual, am I out of time? I am out of time. You said yes first. Is that what you really meant? You you thought I was going to say, have I got plenty of time? And you said yes. Oh, am I on time? He was trying to say, I want to get that down because, thank you for, I appreciate that. Very much. Seriously now. You do not have answers. You do not control the internet. It's not something you can just depend on altogether. Because it could be the worst enemy you have ever seen in your life. And many people feel like that this is true. And it's time for your generation to wake up and say, now we got to think this through. Exactly how are we going to get through this wilderness? What kind of thing can we do? We can't be foolish. We can't let somebody lie to us. And and we can't have some false concept like my brothers tried to teach me about how I should be afraid of backfiring cars. But we need an attitude kind of like my aunt and my mother who said, let's fight this thing. Let's make sure that we get it together and let's get that snake killed and let's get those eggs back with that hen. Let's find the backsliders. Don't just criticize all the young people that you see that are falling short of the will of God and the purpose of God. You find them and you find a way to pray for them and fast for them and get it together because we cannot afford to lose one Pentecostal young person. You've got to get awake. You've got to get... Look, this is not about coming to IBC. Forget that. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about in your life, you've got to find God. You've got to touch the holy. You've got to get a vision of the divine purpose that God has for your life. Some of you will be in ministry, and you'll be in far-off places. You'll be in places that nobody's ever heard of. But you've got to be fearless enough to say, Oh, devil, you're not going to take away this generation, you're not going to fool us. You're not going to deceive us. I need a little help from my friends now. Don't let this generation deceive you. Don't let the Internet trap you. Get a hold of God. Get a hold of his anointing. Get a hold of God's purpose. Say yes to God's call. Can I get a witness? Somebody say yes. yes. Somebody say yes. yes. Moses said, we're going to eat this little... this little." Whatever it is, and we don't know how to define it, but it's going to make a difference in our life. But what I see sometimes is I see a little spirit among young people, and that is not applicable just to apostolic. I'm not talking to app. I'm talking to the whole generation of young people. And not only do I see it, but if you're uh, following the really bright. Sociologists and people, psychiatrists, philosophers, they are genuinely concerned. In Great Britain already, they're begging the populace to give up Facebooks, to give up more and more children. More and more young people are not interested in the orchestra. They don't want to play. More and more young people are spending precious time, time time that is should be dedicated to juvenileness and to youth where you can experience things and feel things but yet we have so many young people today that are just locked in addicted to something that really they can't control and not only that it's like playing with something like a snake a poisonous thing and smart people really know that When President Trump took his little girl to China, she could speak Chinese. She could quote the anthem of the Chinese. She could sing it in Chinese. She could can carry a. Uh, she could carry a. Uh, what am I trying to say? A conversation with Chinese people, because the Trumps do not let their children have devices. Am I I telling the truth? It's all documented. And not only is that true, that's true among many leaders across the world. Be careful. Be careful. How are we going to get here, Moses? How are we going to get? Well, we're going to have this little brown. Was it brown? What was the color? Little small. It was a little small thing. We're We're going to depend on this little small thing. It's called manna. We're going to depend on that. And God is going to see us through. It's a mystery, isn't it? How is it going to work? Have you ever thought we need to suspend the rules, the regular rules? This is the challenge that your generation, I believe, must face. And that is whether or not you have the courage to suspend the rules, to break loose from the lies, to get a hold of what really matters, and to find the manna, whatever it is. They didn't know what it was. The really word means, I think, in original language, it means whatness. It, it, what is it? Is that, is that about right? What, what, what is it? It's what. How are we going to make it tomorrow? Well, what? That is an attitude if you will grow inside of you and in your brain and in your thinking. How are you going to make it? Some of you have a call of God, and I promise you, people will resist you in your effort, to fulfill what God is calling you to do. It could be brothers like I had. Or it could be friends. Or sometimes it's even people that are in the church. That really want you to be successful. They want you to have this. They want you to have a big house and a big car. Or whatever. That's okay. But what does God want? you for? And you say, well, how is this going to work? And somebody may come by. One of your brothers come by. An old Uncle Bill or whoever. and They say, how are you going to do this? And say, well, we're going to. Just depend on this small, round thing. <laughs> We're going to depend on this this round thing. This small, round thing. How are you going to reach the world? Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and tarry until you be endued with power from on high. I'm going to meet you there. I'm going to come in the spirit. I'm going to fulfill your need and I'm going to give you the answer. This is... Is my challenge to you today is to really conceive the best you can figure it out the best you can. That God is probably not going to use your talent. He is not going to use your intellect necessarily. Be as smart as you can. Thank God for talent. But talent is not enough. When you're trying to train yourself as a musician or an orator, preacher, whatever, don't forget that it cannot be done just by yourself. You need the help of God, and God will come, and every day of your life, you will be able to look back and say, look what God has done for me, a way that is above our way, not your way, not my way, not the United Pentecostals way, not the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ, not the PA of W. I hear so much planning. We've set, you and I have set, many of us have set in hours and hours and hours and hours of plans, and I go through my stuff. And I think, well, that plan never got launched. It was never done. Think of all the printing they had it printed, the hours and hours and hours we discussed it. And at the end of the day, we just find how how the revival broke through in Africa, how it broke through in Germany. Some like Jim Sleva goes and he didn't get all that much. Uh, when I say training, you didn't get technical training as you go there and you find somebody to play the piano and you find somebody to do this and somebody translate. You just kind of you just picked up a little small thing. every day, A touch of God and God opened the doors and God made the way. And if you can embrace what I'm trying to say, oh, you'll have your Uncle Bill and you'll have people that will say this or that or something else. But you hold on to the calling of God in your life. And whatever you do, you're in your education, in your abilities, always focus that be, always be focused so that you can say what I'm trying to do here is to follow The will of God in my life. So fight and love God and God will make a way. You see, sometimes we have to depend upon a floating axe. How are we going to deal with that? Well, we, we may have to trust God so that the axe will float. And what about old Hezekiah? He had to depend upon the sundial to go back. I don't even understand that. But he had to trust in something that was supernatural. And remember the man that had lost his children and they were capturing his very future and he looked at the situation and say, all these things, is that what Jacob said? All these things are against me. What we may think is against us as apostolics, as Pentecostal people, as spirit-filled people, as kind of, we're different, you know. And we live in a different kind of world. We have a different kind of perspective. And we have a revelation, a mighty revelation of the oneness of the Godhead. And it makes us in contrast with the rest of Christianity. And yet all of that battle is there. And what do we do? We just trust in God. And maybe God will make the axe float. And maybe God will do supernatural things that we had never even thought of. And he makes a way where we never could have imagined a way. And he puts us sometimes at a spot where we think everything is against us. I don't believe everything is against us. As a matter of fact, I think God is for us. And God is for us. Who can even survive if God is for you? If you yield yourself God can suspend the rules, the rules of gravity, the rules of political connections. I I see sometimes many Pentecostals trying so hard, and I hope I'm not saying something here that you would take the wrong way. But we really don't need to worry about having the right kinds of connections with politicians or presidents or whatever. And those things may happen in some context, but just walk with him. And just to walk with him means everything to me. And it may look like to my uncle and my friends that we're just kind of crazy. But you're not crazy. And God is with you. And he's going to bless you. I feel an anointing in this place. I, feel, I can sense that there's people in this place. Not just our visitors, but many of our students. I'd like for you to stand right now. I know I've maybe preached a little too long. We need not only the power of Christ, but we need the mind of Christ. Is that in the Bible? The mind of Christ. To think as Christ might think. And how would Christ think? Well, (laughs) Christ would think totally different than we would think. Because he can do all things. I'll make a way for you. He added to the church. Am I right about this? He added to the church daily. Not the apostles. God added to the church. Trust him. And God will open the doors. Don't worry too much about your plans. Get focused on what God is speaking to you about. And just believe it. Because I'm going to say, I don't want anybody to raise your hand. And I don't want to say this out of context. I don't want to say this against you parents or your pastor anything. But don't worry so much about the future. Just put it all in God's hand and see what God will do. Don't trust in this world and don't trust in your own thinking. And certainly do not trust in your talents and your abilities. But just yield yourself to God. And in that process, in that surrender, I promise you, God will have manna for you every morning. And he'll open a door. How do we cross the sea? How do we get across the sea? And what did Moses do? He struck it with what? His mantle, was that it? His rod? He just struck it. And what did the waters do? So somebody comes by and blows smoke in your face. Yeah, how are you going to do that? You're going to be a preacher. You're going to be all that, But God can open doors. And God can roll back seeds, And God can provide even a little small thing to keep you going. And he'll be with you. How is it? Most of us, you could do it. Many of us could do it. As an evangelist, I remember. never forget it. Somebody leaving the building said, oh, wait a minute. Where's that young evangelist? Oh, he's over there. What's his name again? He's Mooney. Go go over. Get Mooney. Have him come over. here." So I go over and here comes that underdog. I got to go. Who was that? (laughs) It was God. Not literally speaking. That's the way God works. Let's pray together right now. As a generation. Let's pray together as a team. Let's think of all of ourselves in this room right now. Together as a team. And let's say God. We're going to trust in you right now. And just not in some aggressive way. But just lay your hand if it's appropriate. On somebody's shoulder. And let's just pray. Brothers. No generation. In the history of the world, listen to me. No generation in the history of the world is facing what you're facing, and no time in the history of the world do you have the tools and the potential that technology has given you. But be careful, we could reach the world overnight, we can travel almost any place in the world within a few hours, within a day, almost within. 14 or 15 hours we could be almost anywhere what a world and how are we going to figure it all out brother Rodenbush just get up every morning and God will have prepared for us that small thing that we can't explain let's pray right now pray for your friend right next beside of you come on pray for one another hallelujah IBC students One more time, just pray. God, my will, your will, not my will. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is in this place right now. There's some of you in this building that are wrestling with different things. But put your trust in God. Don't be afraid. Don't let the devil come at you. Fight back. Get those little chicks back in the nest. Get your mind back on the right thing. Get your heart on the right thing. And quit letting the world dictate you. The world doesn't know how this is going to be done. Harvard doesn't have the answer. IBC doesn't have the answer. No one has the answer. God alone has the answer. Every hour, I need Thee. Somebody say, oh! I say.
0: Indiana Bible College has three major courses of study. Biblical Studies, Worship Studies, and our newest major, Missiology. For more information about these, visit indianabiblecollege.org. Indiana Bible College, training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today.